0: So here we are, on the 4th of July, Independence Day, and I know if you're like our family, this has always been a celebration, and it should be a celebration, 245 years of independence as a nation. great American experiment in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 245 years old today. The thing is, as I think about this, this experiment, the great American experiment, is more fragile than we know. Recent events, I think, have shown us that in in real time. I was thinking about this 4th of July celebration and also about Paul's message to us this morning uh, from 2nd Corinthians it's chapter 12 and this question popped into my head you might say like a 4th of July firework and I started thinking about the celebration of liberty that we're experiencing this year which I have to be honest I find somewhat strange maybe a little bit contrived a little bit forced this year and i thought is there truly liberty without grace and so maybe before we dive into paul's epistle this morning out of second corinthians let's talk for just a few minutes as I remind us about liberty and freedom. It's a message I think we need to hear today, especially in these fragile times. We we need to be aware from whom our liberty and freedom come. Now, the Gospel of John in the eighth chapter Jesus has something to say about truth and freedom. Listen to what he says. He says to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And so they answered him, Jesus, we are descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. I think about history, and I wonder where they got that from. Because the Jews have been slaves to everyone. Nevertheless, what do you mean, they said, by saying you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever, but the slave does not. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. See, these are the foundational truths about liberty. They're great words that have been written about liberty and freedom, even outside of Scripture. But let me tell you, those words... In Scripture. Here's just a few of them. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, derive their just powers from the consent of the governed If you're the one in charge of the government, of the people who are writing things like this, you have big problems in your government. See, the concept of liberty, the concept of freedom is inescapably intertwined with the ideas of power and weakness and grace. Most of us recognize those words. They were written long ago in terms of our nation's experience, but In the grand scheme of the kingdom of God, it was just a blip in time ago that those words were penned. They are the opening paragraphs of the Declaration of Independence. Signed in Congress of the 13 United with a Small U States of America, July 4th, 1776, 245 years ago. And when you read that, even today as I read that, I'm struck with the idea that this is a profound and radical document. Set the course for two centuries of American individualism. We hear that a lot, don't we? Founded on rugged individualism. Self-reliance. Self-sufficiency. And that was the power, the engine that built the United States of America, which became a world power. Compared to the other nations of the world, the other powers, in a fraction of the time, it took them to build themselves into world powers. Now, here's the thing that I often like to talk about on uh, or around the 4th of July Uh, because we're Methodists, did you know that John Wesley was not for American independence? (laughs) What? See, the nation's founding fathers and Methodism's founding father, John Wesley, were not in agreement about the desire for the American colonies to be free and independent from British rule. It's hard to believe that we're talking about the founder of Methodism being a contemporary of the beginning of the start of this nation, isn't it? I mean, we were in on the ground floor. See, Wesley was British. He was an Anglican priest, part of the Church of England. And he was loyal to the church and to the crown. Even though the Methodist movement was at odds with the English church because of all the corruption that was going on in the church. Wesley was for religious freedom. He was for religious freedom, but he was no supporter of the American cause for independence. Listen to what he says about it. He says ten times over in different words. You profess yourselves to be contending for liberty, but it is a vain, empty profession, unless you mean by liberty, a liberty from obeying your rightful sovereign and from keeping the fundamental laws of your country. And this undoubtedly it is which the confederated colonies are contending for. See, Wesley had no love for the revolution. The American Methodists in the colonies were quick to detach themselves from Wesley's Methodism. They were Methodists, they just didn't want to have anything to do with Wesley. He was not American. He wasn't even for the American independence. So the reason I give you that little bit of history is that liberty is a matter of perspective. See, it depends on who has the power and who's in the weaker position. The Founding Fathers proclaimed that liberty meant separation from the British rule, from the crown, and John Wesley said that liberty was subject to the sovereignty of English law. Because revolution, in Wesley's mind, was lawlessness. And so, how is it the two points of view concerning liberty, both of them professing belief in and obedience to God. How is it that both of those positions can be so fundamentally at odds with each other? They both can't be right, can they? So listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So maybe it's not a question of who's right and who's wrong. We spend an awful lot of time these days trying to answer that question, don't we? Who's right and who's wrong? Maybe it's a question of what really constitutes liberty, not in the worldview, but in God's kingdom. And so we fast forward 245 years and we're here right now in present day America and everything that the founding fathers established has come to fruition. We're living in it. And we have to admit as we look around at America today, there's there's no question that this nation is far and above any other in terms of freedom and liberty afforded to the people. But, we have to admit it's far from perfect. It's far short of even our rudimentary understanding of the glory of God and what he intends for his kingdom and for his people. In other words, America is great, but we have work to do. And it's in the realization that we have work to do that we are great. It's in our weakness that God can shine through for this country. We only have to look around us at all of the evidence of the broken, fallen world in which we live. Even here in this great nation, we have people who can't afford basics like food, shelter, clothing, health care, all the things. And government in all its worldly might has neither the wisdom nor the power to solve even the basic problems. Never mind complex issues like civil rights, freedoms of religion or speech or defining the boundaries and divisions of governmental power when the government should stop and the people begin. We're wrestling for worldly power, when we should be focused on what God intended. So it occurs to me that our quest for independence and liberty, which began more than two hundred years ago, almost hundred and fifty years ago, have spiraled into something that the founding fathers never intended. What's that you say, Pastor? Well, it spiraled out of control because we forgot about grace. We forgot about grace. We've forgotten the fundamental foundation of liberty, which is grace. The Declaration of Independence, while it's a document true to its title... It was declaring independence from the crown, but what it was never doing was declaring independence from God. It's a declaration of dependence on God. Dependence on the divine providence of God. Could it be that we as a nation have detached ourselves from the truth concerning liberty and freedom? Is there in fact, as Wesley maintained, ever really liberty in the absence of the authority of law. And while we're at it, we need to ask the question, whose law? Now, I know somebody out there is thinking, well, what about Romans 13, pastor? Romans 13 talks about the authority of government. And most of the translations that we have read, there is no authority except from God. The original Greek word there is hupo, which means under rather than from. So a more correct translation is there is no authority except under God. If you have a translation that says under instead of from, keep that translation. Because if we say that all authority is from God, the implication is that God endorses or approves all governments. And that, my friends, is not the case. If we say that all authority is under God, then the implication is that legitimate governments are those which uphold righteous values and virtues. And any government that moves outside those boundaries has usurped the authority and are illegitimate. Yeah, I said it right here from the pulpit. Any government that steps outside the will of God has usurped the authority and is illegitimate. God upholds the principle of government. In fact, he ordained the principle of government. He does not necessarily, however, condone the behavior of all governments. So what does this mean to us as Christ followers? It means we have this Christian responsibility to participate in our governmental process. It means we have a responsibility to live within the laws established by our government means we have the responsibility to pray for and support our leaders in government, whoever they may be. But it never means that we have to put government and governmental policies or even laws above God and the word of God. See, God created humans with the ability to make choices, free will, <laughs> And in that regard, we have freedom. But our freedom is limited to God's authority and sovereignty. We forget that sometimes. Remember what God told Adam in the garden. He said, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Freedom but with limits. And and here's the problem with our world today, particularly in this country. Many people erroneously think that freedom is autonomy, which is the ability to do whatever you choose without fear of judgment from a higher authority. See, the truth is that nothing in God's creation has autonomy. We live by the limits God places on us. Our freedom is limited by God's freedom and only God has absolute freedom. God's freedom trumps our freedom. Mm. So society today believes something completely different from you folks gathered here calling yourselves Christ followers Society today leans towards this thing called secular humanism, which is human autonomy. And it uses wonderful words like liberty, equal rights, tolerance, and diversity. They sound noble, don't they? And that's what we cry in our secular humanism, liberty, equal rights, tolerance, and diversity. And if we don't like the restrictions placed on us by scripture, Well, we simply ignore Scripture in the name of everything that we proclaim and cry about. It's easy. I believe in Scripture except for that part. See, our watchword as a society has become fairness. Sounds good, right? When God intended our watchword to be righteousness, We've replaced this real God-given liberty, American liberty with the slavery of this thing called universalism. We have mistaken tolerance for love. And here's the thing, when the lack of accountability that's inherent in this thing called tolerance is the most unloving thing we could possibly do to another person if we turn a blind eye to unrighteousness so we don't offend, when we do that, we clear the pathway to hell. Because then there's no accountability for unrighteous behavior. And so here's the truth about liberty. When we accept that our liberty is God-given and therefore under His authority, when we submit to His authority as given to us in His Word, the Bible, when we cease these rebellious efforts to be autonomous and to make our own rules, then and only then do we get to enjoy freedom. And so liberty is a result of grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul describes this weakness which he refers to as a thorn in his flesh. And while Paul didn't fully explain to us what that thorn was exactly, he explains that the thorn was allowed by God to keep him from boasting of his own righteousness to the point where he would then become unrighteous. See, it wasn't about Paul. It was about God. And so Paul understood this careful balance between power and weakness and their relationship to grace. Listen to what Paul says. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this thorn, this weakness, that it would leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness so i will boast paul says all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of christ may dwell in me therefore i am content with weaknesses with the insults the hardships the persecutions with all the calamities that happen for the sake of Christ, for whenever I'm weak, then I am strong. And so on this 4th of July, 245 years of liberty and freedom, we need to have the understanding that if we are to have liberty, we need to know from where our strength comes. See, liberty is understanding that meekness is not weakness. (laughs) Liberty is understanding that all power comes from God and only remains power when we operate within the boundaries of His perfect will. Liberty is living in Christ and allowing his strength to overcome our weakness. Because as Paul says, whenever we are weak, whenever we surrender ourselves to Him, then we are strong. This is Luke. This is freedom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.